This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo, tabbouleh, potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini, ziti, granola, fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Guys, welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. My guest today, such a delightful blast in the past. He came up on the Zoom. I couldn't stop smiling. I met him when he was just a little lad, and we were acting together on the hit Disney XD show, Kicking It, where he played the iconic Milton Krupnik. He is a fantastic actor, filmmaker, all-around great dude. Please welcome Dylan Snyder. Ah, thank you, thank you. I'm so happy to be here, so happy to be joining. You know, we were, you were like, how have you been? Because I feel like I haven't spoken to you in like a decade. <laughs> I remember we grabbed lunch a couple years back, and I yes. don't know exactly what was happening in my life at that time. I don't know when that was. It was before 2020. It was. So, so a lot's changed since then. Um, I think I remember we went to, didn't we go to like a Thai restaurant that's a coffee shop? It was like a Thai coffee shop? It was Otis. Otis Thai Kitchen and Coffee. It's a weird, it's like a hipster coffee shop and a Thai restaurant at the same time. That place was cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while since, uh, since I've seen you. And yeah, I don't know. It just like a lot's changed. I feel like my entire ethos the way i kind of operate has all kind of adjusted over the past several years Ooh, there's a yeah is this dylan snyder 2.0 this is i i I actually do i i had a moment within the past month where i kind of hit a point of clarity i suppose Mm -hmm. with the way that i've been kind of like setting up life and and i'm feeling good i'm feeling good i'm happy with the the direction everything's going I, i i feel like i'm building a career and have something to really grab onto so it's it's been positive i think the several years of reflection to this point the you know the quarantine the kind of being at home and uh and that that's been a huge mo- like time for me to look at my life and career and say like what am i doing like, I, you know, I want to I want to like set myself up for the future in something I enjoy. And I think I'm I'm headed that direction now. Wow. Interesting. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on that that we will get to. And now we're going back to very superficial stuff. After we look into your fridge, you guys can see Dylan's fridge on my Instagram at Stand Up Dan. I'm going to share the screen right now. OK, Dylan, this is, you know, I was looking at the fridge and I was like, well, how would I categorize this? It's not a bad fridge. It's not a okay. great fridge. Not it's a great a, fridge, no. It's a weird fridge. Sure. You got a weird fridge, Dylan. Okay. I, 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 I agree. I agree. Um, I think that my fridge is weird, but it's pretty representative of, I don't know, my lifestyle currently. Well, I, can, um, I can tell. I can tell <laughs> your lifestyle is controlled chaos, it seems, right now. Um, on, our, on our top shelf, we have uh, the Oatly Milk. You've got the old school Classico pasta sauce, which like brought me back to my childhood. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. I like a lot, that you a lot have of memories that. there with that. Cool. Well, okay. Interesting. There's just so many like hip new pasta brands and you went with the OG, which I love. Uh, next to it is a mason jar with uh, what I can only imagine are some sort of bean sprouting. Exactly. Bean sprouts. Oh, okay. Bean sprouts. I nailed it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What is that um, for? My wife and I got into sprouting. It, my okay, so my mother-in-law, she's very nutritionally conscious. She's into into kind of uh, you know reading all the articles and learning the latest fads, and uh, almost to an extent that it's a little too much 
uh, right. for me sometimes. Uh, but she got us onto sprouting. She it's like a, it's a really sustainable food, I suppose. Yeah. Um, because the beans are they are dormant until you hydrate them, and then when you do, it's a three day process, and it's great. Uh, so we have two mason jars, and we kind of alternate them of which one gets watered, so that we can grow sprouts. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And it's nice. Right. They they make a nice little uh, quick snack. It's. It's good for because we don't have any potato chips in the house. It's like we we've been trying to stay away from like, you know, a lot of sugar, a lot of processed foods, a lot of potato chips kind of stuff. Easy snacks. That's very, been uh, a it's nice very, way. It's very hippy dippy of you. And I like it. I'm into it. The bean sprouts. Fantastic. Yes. But I like that you're like, oh, we're like a healthy family now. But then on the bottom rack here, we've got a huge John and Vinny's pizza box with like leftovers stacked on top of it okay so um i'm calling you out a little little bit although john and vinny's is fantastic stuff john and vinny's is fantastic so uh, yeah i uh, partially why i feel like this is representative is we don't have that much food just in general our refrigerator is just barren pretty much there's um there's a shelf is we're starting a gofundme for dylan to to get him some food you guys can (laughs) help we we so we travel a lot, um, okay. and I, I think you can you can kind of see that. It's like we we come back for little bursts, and lately, um, grocery st- in the grocery store, we've been adopting a one bag policy. Okay? okay, we walk in with one reusable bag, and we pretty much shop only with the idea of like, what can we fit in this bag? We don't want anything else. We oh, have interesting. A lot of- yeah, we have a lot of like canned foods and, and the freezer is on a on another photo you can see. We had a couple of points within the past several years where we would have, you know, so much fr- uh, food in the fridge and we were leaving for two months. And yeah. so, it, you know, it's like we didn't want to necessarily have that problem arise over and over again. Okay. Um, and we are actively just, you know, heading on trips. We're leaving to go film something for two months, going, you know, seeing family for the holidays. It's like we got a lot of family. It ends up being quite a, you know, an adventure. Um, yeah. This, this is our easy way of making it so that whatever we have in the fridge, we can typically finish it up within two to three days. I like that move, actually, the one bag move, because I yeah. definitely have a lot of food waste in my fridge. That's yeah, we've gotten into composting for uh, that's that's been a, a whole thing on its own of trying to eliminate the food waste and food scraps and trying uh-huh. to put that towards something else, I guess. So, yeah, we have a, we have a composter. We fill that pretty much daily, excess whatever, put leftover bean sprouts that tasted like they weren't too good anymore in there today. Do you do this as an indoor thing or an outdoor thing? It is. It's an indoor thing. It's um, it, technically, I think it's not exactly compost, but it's like a Vitamix food cycler. Okay. So it it cre- it they don't call it compost. They call it nutrient rich material. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It essentially is like compost it kind of does so, a similar process. Compost is so twenty fifteen. You cannot say that anymore. Okay. You now can't. Say, you can't. You. It's it's the new age stuff or nothing. It's the c word. Okay. Compost is the c word. Now we say nutrient rich. What is it? Uh, nutrient rich material uh i love it uh, um so under the pizza box it looks like you've got a sweater is that a blanket or a sweater so uh that's a <laughs> that basically like keeps your uh like leafy greens fresh and more crisp or it's oh, supposed to i feel um, like i've seen this thing yeah it's it's interesting it's like a little canvas bag like a quilty material that you stick all your greens in so we have uh, spinach and kale in there currently Mm. Uh, and you spray it down with a little water uh, once every couple of days, and it just keeps things hydrated. That's I cool. I don't know, I don't know the science behind it. I don't know if it actually helps. I feel like it does, and that makes me feel good. Right. Uh, and I and and that's kind of why it's there. It's like I, I, if I wanted to, I could probably do the research and and really decide if that's actually good for my vegetables or not. I think it is. I mean, I think that the, so leaving them in the plastic. Uh, basically suffocates them and they've got nowhere to get uh, any oxygen or hydration from. And when greens okay. don't have any hydration, they're going to go bad real quick, which is why I think the bootleg version is like you take a paper towel, you take your greens out, you roll it around, and then you put you spray a little water on, on the outside. So this is just like a, a, um, a fancier version of doing that and probably okay. a better one too. No, sure. I, that, that's like not the BS. Whole Foods version. No, yeah. okay, that's that's cool. <laughs> no, that this so yeah, that we've been doing that for a little bit. We also like 
uh, so much was just trying to eliminate plastic waste. Yeah. Um, we've kind of had this... Um, have you read or done the life-changing magic of Marie Kondo? I've seen Marie Kondo's show once in a while on Netflix. Okay. Sure. So we, I guess the book has been around a long time. I only heard of it through like the, you know, does this bring you joy kind of meme that was going around essentially. Spark joy. Um, does it spark joy? Does it spark joy? Yes. Yeah. Does this spark joy? Yes. And, uh, so I, the book was recommended to us. My wife read it and she was like, you know, I think that we should really like Marie Kondo kind of, you know, not minimal, not go to minimalist state necessarily. Like we still have some cool stuff that we want. Um, and there are a lot of things that do bring us joy, but I, you know, we just felt so weighed down with stuff. Mm. And part of that is while we're going through, might as well go ahead and take a look at some other, I guess, issues that, you know, plastic waste, like there being so much plastic that just can't go anywhere. Instead, yeah. we want to try to minimize the amount of plastic coming in. So been looking for more like, uh, you know, pla paper, uh, products and, you know, paper covered materials uh recyclable packaging kind of thing yeah um, i've been doing so the that, opposite i when i have to oh. buy one apple in the store i make sure i get 10 plastic bags to wrap it in perfect just yeah, to, yeah just to show that apple who's boss you know yeah yeah yeah. well you gotta you gotta counter the scales a little bit right <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> you can't you can't just let us all like try and no. get rid of all the plastic bags. No, no 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 i gotta i gotta be that uh you know the counterculture baby all right that's <laughs> <Yeah>. me <laughs> Okay, I don't know if you did this as a gag for me or if this is a real thing, but in the middle of your fridge, you've got a look. What looks like a a, a, a what are these called? The, the paint it's things. A, it, it's a paint palette. It's a, a paint, paint palette. palette. It looks I, like a, it's a full of paints. A paint palette in the middle that is just like sitting next to what looks like a a sandwich that's wrapped in aluminum foil, and it's just like hanging out. And it, it looks like like you know Van Gogh was taking a sandwich break, put that in there. And forgot yep. to take it out. Yeah, I was very excited when because, you know, I, I got an email being, like, oh, I'm going to send in my my, uh, you know, my fridge photos. And I open it up and I see the paint. I'm like, yes, this is perfect. No, my, my wife and I paint and uh, I, I typically do oil painting. And so not usually anything to do there. I just leave it out and typically try and use up the paint within a couple days. Um, but my wife does acrylic painting and she paints quite a bit. So, yeah. uh, you can cover it with plastic and put it in the refrigerator and it'll stay just a little bit longer. So yeah, it's just, it's a way to keep paint fresh, even though it looks very silly. Yeah, I love no, we, it. It's very fun we, actually. <laughs> yeah. If you, yeah, if you end up, uh, there's no photo, but if you were to look to the left, our entire dining room is currently a painting studio. Oh wow. Um, yeah, our dining room table has a drop cloth on it and we have canvases everywhere. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. Um, Always trying to keep artistic. I like it. Uh, speaking of which, your freezer, you've got a, uh, you got old school film in here. I do. I do. The old school I, stuff. Back in 2020, I decided that I wanted to get into, like, I, I've been, I mean, pursuing filmmaking for years now, and I've, I've done photography digitally, and it was something that was interesting to me to try to get into film photography. It's something that's fairly accessible. Uh, there are a lot of cameras on the market, and they're not very expensive. The entry cost into it isn't crazy. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I got into it, uh, there was a, like a 40% price hike in all film. So it's like what, you know, what was $14 is uh, now $25 and right. it's, it's becoming more expensive, more difficult. So I, I went on a, a spending spree a while back and I got a bunch of film and you keep it in the freezer to keep it from going bad. Um, I love it. You, yeah, you can keep it in the freezer for years. You can buy like rolls from the 80s that will still shoot if no they've way. been in a deep freeze. How fun. Yeah. Um, and then you, below you can, of course, see all of our ice packs. Yeah, you've got you've got a lot of ice packs down here, but these I was more curious about these the fun uh, cocktail. I'm assuming cocktail uh, ice things. I don't know if you guys are drinkers or not, but they are not anymore actually. Um, fairly recently, about a, only about a year ago, kind of just stopped drinking. Yeah, but yes, for for years, yeah, uh, yeah, we have the round uh, round ones that minimize the surface area by making a ball. Those are really fun. The, love um, those. The, the ones. It's unfortunate. I'm going to trash talk them. The ones below that are skulls, and they're so cool. 
uh but the oh, cool. ice yeah it's like it's like they they yeah they create like skull like uh, like they look like a miniature crystal skulls yeah um but you can't get the skulls out of the ice mold ever oh it's oh. they're almost impossible I've, I've never gotten one out successfully without it cracking into pieces because it's just it's not designed very well so huh. one out of one out of ten where did you get it from they, I, I believe they were a uh, they were a gift. So I I don't want to trash talk them too too hard. No no but no, they, they, no no no. Put uh, that person on blast right now. They gave they, you a uh, cheap ninety nine cent store ice tray. They're William Sonoma. Oh really? Yeah, I know. Wow. I know. I it was shocking. Fuckers. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> um so you know normally i say that this podcast is not about it's not so much about career it's more about like what people's relationship is to food but you and i have such an interesting relationship uh in terms of how we know each other that i feel like we have to da- dabble into it a little bit but i feel like in thinking about it so i played falafel phil you played milton we were kind of the biggest goofballs on the show and absolutely and i wonder if you know, I feel like I feel like you've I feel like you've matured very very quickly and I wonder if that's because cuz I sense I mean I had other stuff going on in my career like stand up and whatnot. So like I definitely wasn't as affected I don't think by like you know people yelling out falafel fill at me like cuz but it was definitely like a little bit of like people saw me as a goofball and I'm wondering if that was a thing that you felt out in the world of like people are seeing me as a goofball but I'm more than that. Yeah. Okay. So there is an interesting uh, phrase that I've heard thrown out recently, and it's not ever something that I considered myself a part of or associated with necessarily until fairly recently where I've kind of heard it explained. Uh, And it's industry trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's 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 weird. It's mainly just the idea of like child actors, right? Being young and growing up in an industry. And most of what I kind of uh, identify with in that is that uh, a lot of my friends and I uh, got professional working jobs and started paying taxes and started having to think about, like, what our money does and how can we take care of our families and family dynamics change up where you start earning more than your parents. Sometimes it just it throws a lot of new variables that most people don't ever have to think about uh, into the mix. And so that's that I think specifically in my like later teen years kind of developed in this way of I had been doing something that I've been doing for my entire life without understanding fully why Mm -hmm. I have made choices to be an actor along the way and I've always enjoyed it, but I've always looked at it as kind of a hobby. So when I was sitting there in my like, you know, uh, almost 20 years old and kind of being in an industry that I've kind of felt uncomfortable and not in, just in terms of like where I was sitting with like casting directors and fans and having to like maintain a social media and kind of keep a character going. That's the uh, the other side of things is that uh, I, I created a character for the show. Yeah. Uh, but I also inadvertently created a public persona character. Yeah. I was so young, I didn't necessarily choose it. And part of that was kind of picked by Disney in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a meeting at the very beginning, just kind of outlining the, you know, the do's and don'ts of social media and just how to, you know, uh, be safe. But a lot of those kind of transfer into like, you know, oh, I got to watch where I'm going and be careful of what I'm posting. And so now I'm posting kind of child friendly things only and yes. talking as a character to a group of people who only know me as this character yeah uh, now that's fine for being on the show but there was a point when i was like um honestly i was like 22 23 uh when i was really kind of feeling this it was kind of through the world of cameo which cameo is is interesting i i, I did you do cameo yeah uh, yeah absolutely yeah, cameo was interesting. Um, you know, it's like it's kind of a, a a way to have outreach and have income, but there also is kind of like a weird dilemma with me because part of my outreach is children, so asking children for money is always a little it's right. always a little weird. Yeah. Um and and the other side is that I'm only playing this character who I have not been in a long time. Yeah. And 
and it's like the only exercise of that character was ever social media. So during 2020, I pretty much shut it down. Like I, I was doing live streaming on Twitch for a bit as well. And that kind of just recirculated this whole like, man, I'm a I'm a uh, literally just like this Disney uh, shell, this Disney child actor, little like robot. Yeah. Um, and you know, I and so, yeah, just quit social media, essentially. Wow. That's so interesting because I feel like I never even thought about the the money aspect of it. I mean, it was weird enough for me to be on a Disney show as an adult. But as a kid, it's true. Your family gets involved and and I'm not even talking about yours specifically, but I'm saying when you're a, a child actor and I just saw this from like all the people who came in and out of the show, too. It's like you see these like parents who are just like so like dependent on the paycheck from their child and it's like it's a weird thing because children are so influenced by their parents as they should be right sure but then money's sure. involved and like you know doing like i have like a don't ever do business with the family rule <laughs> but like when you're growing up like that you have no choice really uh but to be in business with your parents and you know what? Your what? Your dad? Your your your? Some a parent is going to be like, yeah, put it in this in this fund. Like you're like twelve, you're going to be like, oh no, I think we should put it in this fund. <laughs> yeah, that's and and that's that is the tricky part. It's like you know what do you what are you what do you ask them to do? Uh, a portion of everything you make under eighteen goes to a uh, a Coogan fund, mm -hmm. um, simply made so that way not all of your money can be taken by your parents if that is something that you. Uh, find your if that's a situation that you find yourself in right and that's definitely helpful i guess for you know a lot of kids but there also is an issue with well then you become 18 and you get what 200 grand yeah like that's insane that's, that's wild. crazy yeah yeah and, and i mean that's you know that that's that's it's just kind of wild to think about the uh, i guess the position that uh, i mean so many not just myself and many others in way more intense situations yeah uh you know have have i guess gone through as a byproduct of um being a professional in an industry when they are so young that others have to run it so did uh, you hate doing the character when people asked you to do the character like no i didn't i i enjoyed doing the character it's I think I just, I did not, and I still, like, even to this day, I will occasionally pull it out for, like, you know, somebody meets me on the street, and it's like, yeah. do the line, like, holy Christmas nuts! It's just, like, they have fun, and I like having fun with, you know, people having fun. But it was mainly just, I no longer had a voice of my, I did, I never grew a voice of my own, essentially. Yeah. I never grew a public persona which I, I don't even necessarily feel the need to have a public persona necessarily, but I di I don't feel like I had one to have anyway. Yeah. Um, if I wanted one, I didn't feel like I had any sort of like real material to pull from and everything that was out there was so superficial that um, I feel like if I did, if I let's say that I was either going through something or I was really excited about something, I feel like I could put it out there. And it just wouldn't be understood because like uh, people wouldn't have seen that in me or people wouldn't understand where I'm coming from. So uh, in a sense, like I it's, you know, kind of saying I like quit social media. It's like I deleted TikTok and and I stopped really like posting on Instagram. And like, I started uh, instead trying to like I, I had a little photography page that I would just kind of upload things to off to the side. That was it's me, but it's like not me. It was something that was just. I'm not really trying to draw any attention to it. I'm just yeah. putting things out there because I wanted to kind of grow a cultivation of like, hey, this is an interest that I have world. Like, look at this. Yeah. Um, and then eventually that's that's kind of changed. So, I, I, you know, I was saying like beginning of 2023 this year, this past month, I feel like there's been this moment of clarity simply because like the past year I've been working in something that I've been enjoying. I've been filmmaking. Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing cinematography. I uh, we got to shoot a feature film last year and that's in post-production. Awesome. So it's like we're finishing that up. And uh, and there was just this moment where it's like, oh, I I I feel good. I feel like like I'm supposed to be doing this and I feel like I'm not. um a floundering child you know you know i i think that's very mature of you and i think that a lot of it makes sense and it's like 
you have two ways to go, it seems. Like, you can either completely become a fuck-up or you can take what you went through and turn it into something positive. And the positive things about being a child actor, I would think, um, are that you are getting a crash course in cameras, TV, marks, where to stand, the lighting. Uh, as a young child, when your brain is still like spongy and can absorb things, like, Kicking It for me was my first TV show ever. So I had mm. never been on a stage before. I had never seen cameras before. And it was like boot camp for me. And it was so great because now, you know, after that, any other show I did, it was like, oh, I, I, I had the best boot camp ever because a Disney show is like, it's a, it's a fucking grind, dude. And it's like, it's just like any other multicam, but it's like almost like turbocharged. Um, but I think that that is a special skill that you have. And that like, you know, you look like Fred Savage did that too, like where he like totally transitioned to directing. Um, and yeah, I could see it's like, you didn't even, you didn't have to learn this stuff at school necessarily. <laughs> like you, you fucking that's, literally were like growing up on this stuff. That's been, that's been a huge thing is that, um, I mean, there's always kind of the question, especially you, you go to film festivals and everybody talks about film school versus no film school. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not going to film school and choosing not to, but in a sense, I don't necessarily feel like I need to. I have had such a crash course in, yeah. in cameras and how sets work, the operations, what everybody does. Um, I've been working in the industry not only before then, but since then in various departments. I've, I've shadowed a lot of people. I worked in, I went up to the writer's room. I spent time with a special effects team. I, uh, I've been an, uh, an assistant camera operator on a true crime reenactment show for two seasons. No way. I, it was just like a random gig that I uh, kind of found through a friend. And yeah, it's great. It's it's such like a, a fun little job, but it's like it's just time on set and, you know, kind of getting to be a part of the art. And I, I love that. But yeah, so, so much time and experience and then connections. And that's the other thing. And that's honestly, if I were to go to film school, it would solely be, I think, to meet people yeah. who are also making films. Uh, because a lot of the people that I met ended up being television people, and that's kind of not what I'm doing currently. Right. Um, however, it's like, I still know a fair amount of people, and I've been able to kind of get my foot in doors through this kind of Disney opening into the, you know, the industry out here in L.A. Yeah. Uh, that I, I, I feel good about not necessarily needing to go to film school and kind of, uh, you know, taking that independent approach. Yeah, I wouldn't um, think you have to. I feel like you went to film school like for decades as a child. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there, it's like, you know, uh, it, uh, there's a difference between like learning, going to a sketch writing class and then writing in a writer's room. You know, you learn sure, so much it, more. The, the, the professional aspects of seeing something that gets written go on screen uh, also changes things because that is, you know, that's not like a school prompt. That is... Right that's real life like oh my god this is a storyline that was greenlit from beginning to end yeah. and you get to watch that come together and understand like the fundamentals of like oh uh, you know when you're putting you know a story together it's like these are the interesting parts or like you know this can this can kind of draw more intrigue here and and uh, somehow like this per- listening to how some of the writers would pitch their episodes it's like they're hitting on these key parts because this is important to them. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, head writers looking for this. Exactly. Kind of, you know, it, it allows you a little politics. bit of compare and contrast. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. There's, there's so much like little, little things that I've learned just from watching. Um, I love so, it. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it makes me very, it makes me happy to see this uh, kind of the, you know, the second part of your, of your journey to see where that's going to go. I mean, it's like, and it seems like you got your shit together, man. Because, like, I'll tell you, I had Leo Howard on the show. That guy's a fucking mess. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Leo's great. No. Lee, <laughs> everyone, yeah, everyone, yeah. everyone, everyone from that. It's always very funny to run into people from that, from that time. Because I do feel like we were, we were, like, in the trenches in a weird war together. <laughs> and, like, now we're out of it. And we got, we all became famous in our own little weird way like i still use falafel phil in my like routine i have a book coming out and there's a whole chapter about my experience as falafel phil 
Because it was like, it was a little tormenting for me for a while too, because it was kind of racist. And then like, you get out on the other side of it and you're like, okay, well, am I going to, it had racist stuff about it, like race, not racist, racist is a strong term, but it was like race weird stuff. But it also, I understand. Yeah. But it also, yeah. but it gave, and you saw this, like it gave so much joy to children. <laughs> it's so, it's such a mind fuck of like, how do I, how do I reconcile this, uh, this thing that feels artistically weird to me, but also is like, it's like, I, I, I would meet kids and give them the, the best moment of their lives, what it seemed. Like that's, would... that's really interesting. I have been wondering that actually, because I, I haven't rewatched the show in quite quite some time yeah um and i haven't even seen every episode of kicking it there are many episodes that i just didn't see it was just season three and too many episodes were coming out and they changed our schedule but i have been wondering that because there's one film essay one like video essay that's on youtube now about kicking it Mm -hmm. uh and and part of it touches on uh falafel phil's character so yeah i wanted i I was curious about how like how that felt for you so it, it interesting there was kind of like a I guess some understanding or realization of kind of the tone of the character. Yeah, I mean, look. First of all, you got to send me a link to that. I got to see it. But uh, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, and this is the kind of struggle that I always have with it. It's like, yes, it had some racial issues with it, but I played that character so goddamn well. <laughs> I feel like I was so good at it, and I don't think I'm ever gonna be as good at just like inhabiting a character than i was uh with falafel phil and it's it's weird because it's like i don't know i felt i i have not felt that like i'm like i don't know i always i always feel weird when actor it's like when actors get actory and they're like i really and you know i, I really became the character but i fucking became that character <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah no, and that's, i love that's, it. that's you know that's that's really no that's cool i that hey i it is. I feel like there are a lot of shows that have not aged very well. Yeah. And and it's tough because it's like that is kind of the art. There isn't a little bit of an argument about what has aged well from kicking it. But all in all, it's it's really it's a fun show and it's held on to a viewer fan base for oh, yeah. quite some time. Uh, still to this day, I'll kind of, you know, go out and and get recognized no matter how I cut my hair or anything. Not that I'm <laughs> trying to hide it, right. but. It's like I, I, you know, 2020, uh, beginning of 2021, had grown out my hair to, it was really long. Like shoulder and, length. Yeah, and then it was dyed black. And, uh, and literally, I was walking through Chandler, Arizona, and people were like, oh my god, like how? how? I, my character never even looked remotely you like You were wearing this. a mask and everything. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it's like, that's the, like, I don't even know how. I think that it's because it, it, it there's something, happens. dude, there's something visceral when you, when a child becomes a fan it's like again it's like people would see me and they wouldn't know that i was they, they didn't know you're an actor they think you're the actual guy when they would see you i mean i turned this into a bit on stage but it's like it's this thing of like when when children like so the spongy brain thing their brains are sponges yeah. and they just bring you in and they become these like super fans for life and it's like um i don't know man it's like yes i have a, a conflicted relationship with it would i do it again i think i probably would I also feel a little as an artist, I feel like the whole like you want to make something age worthy is a little overrated. Like, I don't really care how something ages necessarily. I want it to be cool in the moment and then throw it away and then do something different. Like, I feel that's, like if you're, if you're worried about how your stuff is going to be in, in, in a decade or so, that's just too much pressure on the on the art or whatever you want to call it. I feel like you just especially with with comedy, like you just want to be current. Like I, that's a really nice perspective. Honestly, it's kind of it. It is nice to hear that because I do think there is so much focus on like, uh, there is so much focus on what has aged right. well and what hasn't that it almost feels like a like a minefield. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it it, do, it it doesn't necessarily have to. So I do I do like that. Yeah, uh, like that perspective. Yeah. Um. I, okay, I'm loving talking about this stuff, but now we're going to go back to food. I have to get to the questions that uh, I yes. ask every guest towards the middle of the episode. Starting with, what is your earliest food memory? Earliest food memory? <laughs> oh, I ha- okay. I have my earliest food memory of trying sushi, which this is kind of a late food memory, but it isn't. It isn't. It's a. It's a. It's a specific one. 
I was at Phil Collins's New Year's party. <laughs> Hold on. That's the best way to start any earliest food memory we've ever had on the show. <laughs> I... I got, I was, um, when I lived in New York, I did Tarzan on Broadway. Uh, It was, it was like the first professional job that I had gotten. So it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, and I had met Phil Collins once before and did not know who he, like, did not recognize him, did not know who he was. I got a photo with him kind of unknowingly, like everybody was freaking out, but I, like, he was, he was a cool guy and he hung out at our stage, you know, every once in a while and he would like talk with us about the music and like the way that we kind of hit things so it was like phil collins was becoming a a friend oh no way which was cool uh and so i got invited to his new year's party and um it was in new york he was dating dana tyler at the time i don't know if they're together still she was in cbs new york news anchor okay Uh, so it was like uh it was like both of them and all of their friends so a lot of people um it was fun it was a cool environment uh i got to dance with his daughter that was cool but yeah, they had these hors d'oeuvres around and I was told that it was sushi. And I was like, well, I got to try it. Like, I, you know, I've, I've never tried anything like this. My Alabama brain couldn't even comprehend sushi at the time. Uh, right. Like, I was like, oh, I've got to try it. I don't I, now I know I don't believe this was sushi. OK, um, what it was not sure but it was fancy and chewy and i had a very very difficult time trying to get it down and i i legit I like couldn't and so i was running around phil collins's new year's party and there were no trash cans anywhere right uh because i guess that's like a thing that nicer parties do is like oh the trash gets taken away <laughs> um but i had this like mouthful of like some chewy chew, like chewy block of something it was like a meaty cube of like gristle it felt like oh, and uh and and i thought it was sushi so i i went and ran around trying to find a place to spit it out and i was scarred from sushi for like six years and just thinking like oh man i tried i tried sushi at phil collins's place and that i can't do it again like i i don't i don't know if i'll ever be able to do it and then i actually tried a real sushi roll i was like oh this is great what's happening you're like, it's, what the hell did I put in my mouth what, at Phil Collins' party? Yeah, I was like, oh man, I, I don't, I, I don't, I think it, I literally think it was some type of like either muscly fish or, like, I don't know. But that's Weird. that's like this a very visceral memory that I have that like it it changed the way I ate food and I like wouldn't go near sushi for a long wow. time. Wow, yeah, Phil Collins, if you're listening, please, if you're listening, Phil. let us know what the hell you were serving at your party. <laughs> Um, what is your death row meal? So let's think of a way uh, that you are on death row. Okay. You're shooting a movie. Okay. You're shooting a movie. You're in the middle of a scene. You're like, you're like putting together the pieces. It's you at your best, your most highbrow. And a PA comes over and says, hi, Mr. Snyder. Do you mind just saying holy Christmas nuts one time for me? And you just fucking, you grab your red camera and you just bash his face. <laughs> and now you're on death row. Um, okay. What is your death row meal? Death row meal. Uh, I'm a recent convert, but like Indian food is mm. it, uh, like I can have it any time of the day, any day of the week. Okay. It, like uh, I, I, I'm vegetarian now also, by the way. Okay. Um, that's the thing. Oh, so like you should have paneer, opened with that. We would have ended I, this podcast in the be- at the beginning. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah, I saved it for the end because yeah. I, I wanted a little it's, little conversation. It's too late now. It's too late. <laughs> um, so like paneer, paneer masala, paneer tikka masala, uh, uh, palak paneer. Oh, mm. Like I could, I could eat, I could gorge myself. Okay. So death um, row, you're going to gorge yourself on all the paneers. On, Exactly. All the paneer, paneer masala that I yeah. go in Indian food. You know, it's funny. I, I always have said that if there's one food that makes me never miss meat, it's Indian food. Like you can eat Indian food and have that same satisfaction you get from meat from never having any meat. Like if I were going to vegetarian, that's that's I'd be I'd be sticking to that. I'd be I'd be going Indian. It's the way to go. I, yeah. I, and again, it's like I'm a, I'm a recent convert because I, I did eat meat for many years. Um, yeah, you grew up in my, Alabama, for God's sake. I, I know. There's no way to not eat meat there. Right. Um, you, you can eat grilled cheese and mac and cheese, uh, but at some point you get tired of cheese and there's no other alternatives. Right. So I ate meat By the for way, a but, long fu- time. but funny enough, your, 
your Indian food of choice is pan- are the paneers, which are cheeses, which uh... they are cheese. I know, <laughs> I know, but but it's like it's like it, it doesn't feel like too cheesy of a cheese, you know? No, yeah, it, it feels it feels almost a little bit more of like the tofu of cheese. You're right. What the hell is paneer? How do they make that? Because it is like a super mild, like spongy almost cheese. It is. I don't know. It's like they make little cakes and then they. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. 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 I don't know. I just. I. I. I didn't quite know that it was a cheese for the first couple times that I had right. it, and then I found out. So I was like, "Oh, I, I didn't even know." It's like it catches me off guard. It's good. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I, I went vegetarian, uh, kind of slowly, I guess. Uh, I wasn't cooking meat at the house. My wife has been vegetarian for years, mm-hmm. um, so it, it just, it was easy for us to just make one meal rather than two. Okay. Uh, or you know have any like extra meats and i i did that occasionally sometimes i was trying to eat some meats for iron level for a bit but i just it made it easier to not get meat and then eventually it was like oh since i'm not meat eating meat most of the time might as well just not eat meat out from the house as well yeah um if anything it makes m- menu hunting a little easier right because you you shorten down all of the options to like three and it's like, great, I'm going to have one of these three meals and I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. And so, and so yeah, I, I. Are you uh, doing no fish? No fish? No fish. Yeah, wow. no fish. Yeah, completely vegetarian. Not vegan, though. We we have like fairly vegan habits uh, a lot of the time, but we eat cheese and I like honey. Um, eggs? Do eggs so get in there? Eggs? There's actually some just egg in in the photo of my fridge. It's, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like just to make little omelets with um, eggs. Not most of the time. Yeah, um, I, I like eggs. I think eggs are fine, but uh, just eh, we don't get them most of the time and would rather not have them if possible. Got it. Um, but I like breakfast scrambles. I love omelets. I cook like, you know, spinach, tomatoes, bell pepper, like put in some sausage. Uh, like impossible meat sausage, mm. uh, like any kind of cr- uh, crumble or chorizo crumble, soy rizo. Stick that in, make an omelet. That's like favorite breakfast meal. Love it. So what the hell is paneer? Paneer is an Indian fresh cheese made quickly by boiling milk and then curdling it using acid like lemon juice. It's super simple, doesn't have a ton of complexity, and is pretty shelf stable. Here's where it gets interesting. Most of the cheese that we eat is milk that gets curdled with the addition of something called rennet. Rennet is an enzyme that comes from the lining of animal stomachs, and it coagulates milk into super delicious, nuanced, interesting cheeses. However, India, a majority Hindu country, won't use rennet because, like Dylan, they're mostly vegetarian. So that's why they make milk with acid instead. So it's slightly less complex, but it's Vishnu approved. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What is the best high-end meal you've ever had? Can I t- can I say worst? Sure. Can I say worst? Please, best or um, worst. 
I don't know if you've ever been here, and they're a restaurant in Hollywood, so I'm going to lay one in. Barton G's. Have oh, you been there? No, I haven't. Is that a steakhouse? It's not. Uh, or maybe it is. I'd, okay, so it's like it's I'm looking it like up. a it's a semi high end restaurant in Hollywood. I think it's off of like Fairfax or La Brea or something. They are very gimmicky in the sense that like uh, you know you order a popcorn shrimp and it's it's a little like a couple of pieces of shrimp inside of a gigantic popcorn machine and oh, they'll yeah. wheel it out. Yeah. It, oh, yeah, exactly. Funny. So you and and like uh, so it's a every playful dish, it's a playful restaurant. It's whimsical and playful. Exactly. But the but like nothing is cheap. And and I, I'm talking like I'm looking at the prices being like, OK, you know, I would expect this from like Delmonico's or something. Right. And then it's like, you know, you get like, I, I don't know, you get a meal and it's like, well, this is like average chicken. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the food I'm looking at pictures does not look that great, but they make it, so much smoke and mirrors around it, like literally smoke do. and mirrors. <laughs> and and it's 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 lit. Yeah, literally smoke and mirrors. And then the lighting is so dark that you almost can't even see like the cup in front of you. Oh, my God. It, it's it's almost pitch black in there. And and it's one of those things where you can clearly tell it's to disguise. It's to make sure that you cannot see as much as possible. Yeah, so, I mean, look, the lobster pop tarts are served in like a toaster. In I a mean, toaster, it feels like this restaurant was made for Instagramming. It does feel like that, and I ate there several years ago, so it it felt kind of out of the blue. Yeah, like I, I didn't feel like these like kind of pop ups like that. So it's not a pop up, you know, it's like a an establishment. It's a restaurant that's there, been there for a couple several years now, at the very least. So fun. Um, and they're making their way. I'm guessing because it's like, you know, oh, it's fun to see everything catch fire. It's like, whoa, it's sparkly and fun and crazy. And they're doing a whole display. But then yeah. you're like, why is your cocktail $32? What's happening? They're you know? like, oh, but it's know, okay. Man. It's actually uh, served on a uh, on a unicycle. <laughs> so it's worth $35. I, I, you know, I we go on like family vacations uh, every holiday. So it's like I'll, we'll usually end up going to like a nicer high end restaurant. And I've been uh, been to many restaurants where it's like, wow, amazing, you know. Uh, but this was that that was just one experience where it's like I this is a nice restaurant or at least this should be yeah. uh, based on like price location and whatnot. But it's they uh, they just they they pissed me off at every uh, every turn. It's unfortunate. It's just like I, I left being like I feel sour. I got to say, I love that you're actually putting them on blast because a lot of people are like, I'm not going to say the name of the restaurant. You're like, no, it's Barton motherfucking G. <laughs> I dude, I've I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about that for a couple of days now uh, of just like, uh, like, would I would I say the name of that restaurant? Like, right. I don't know. And I'm going for it. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I appreciate it. I actually love it. Um, Fantastic. What is the best low end meal you've ever had? There. Uh, ooh, OK, there are a couple of answers I can give. There is a hole in the wall in it's called Shady Acres. Okay. okay, it's in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. um, it's not very far away from where I used to live because I, I lived in Petal, Mississippi, right outside of Hattiesburg. Okay, and uh, Shady Acres, it, it, it like you can't find it. It's very hard to find. It's off to the side of this little like turn off of a highway, um, really hole in the wall, like all wooden. Uh, but God, they had some amazing burgers. I mean, like. J like the most delicious like packed with love burgers that you can ever have really um, and they it was crazy they caught fire because it was an all wooden establishment i suppose okay um they caught fire and burned down like 10 years ago oh uh, no and then and then they rebuilt it uh and they they rebuilt it i guess a little more like a little more closer to the highway or whatnot in a better spot so it's seen more but then they lost they lost something. It was mm. like there there was something different about the about the burgers ever since then. And they changed. But Shady Acres was such like a like a good little spot. And I, I, I think that's great. There's also a restaurant in El Paso called Lick It Up. They're entirely plant based. And it is in the back of a it's in the back of a bar. And 
it's it's so good they have like tacos and burritos and again all all plant-based but like real good food we were we were over in el paso for uh, a couple months and that was a a nice place for us to go to just always enjoy our meal fun literally we can eat anything on the menu i love that stuff how cool yeah i'm looking it up now the food looks nice yeah and and again hard to find the just in the back of a bar you you can't you don't see the sign from it from the street right right so, right uh, uh, you just have to know i love it who is your favorite yeah. celebrity food personality i i really love the the gordon ramsay mm. aesthetic the uh the idea they they even they uh had a kick in it episode where milton kind of played gordon ramsay um so I, i've always liked him alton brown though good eats was my favorite show growing up on food network yeah I feel like that that man taught me so much. I don't cook that much, but like what I do, it's I remember specific lessons from Alden Brown. So love him. Oh, and then I we had gotten into Hell's Kitchen a, a couple of years back. And it's I feel like every single time I watch one of those shows or get really into it. I, I'm, I don't know if you do the same, but like I get really into cooking. The thing where it's like you use like 14 dishes to make one meal kind of right. thing, just because like. Well, they're doing it. You got to make the sauce in a different pan and like, oh, I have to like season this set, like just, you know, a mess in the kitchen. Right. Um, and I made I made a, uh, a a type of like spaghetti with a red wine reduction sauce one time. Ooh. Um, and I was very excited because, it, you know, it's like purple spaghetti. And Allison was like, I don't know if that's like, what's this? Try it. It's like I, I made this like, you know, fancily. I tried my best. Um, it took everything I had, uh, and it was an awesome meal. And I put it up on Instagram, and the winner of Hell's Kitchen season one, like, he like sent me a DM being like, "Nice job, little chef!" Like, no way, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> like, that's so cool. Like the winner of Hell's Kitchen because we were like just into it, and so I was like, I was like really into it. I saw his name being like impossible. Like, I love cool. that. That's so fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I want to cook more. I I just don't. Yeah, I love I love when I get obsessed with food and I'm cooking like one little dish and it takes like 30, 30 pots and pans and I have to clean for the next five hours. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the biggest, probably the biggest thing that keeps me from cooking a lot. We we had a kitchen in this place for years that the oven would not open all the way without hitting the fridge. So it, it was a situation where we'd be trying to take a pizza out and the pizzas would like slide off because the angle is too too much mm. um so we didn't bake for a long time and like I, I don't know just we utilized the stove a bit but really we redid our kitchen so that we could utilize the oven and you know, have more counter space um and since then i've tried yeah, where, to make more of a habit what are you living in a storage unit dylan come on man <laughs> gotta, like, gotta, the doors didn't open because there were boxes behind them so we never had was, protein it was uh it was uh, we had a I guess the last tenants had a smaller refrigerator. Yeah. But our refrigerator was much bigger. And so it blocked the it's like it's like a, a small it's like an aisle kitchen. Right. So you walk down the center and you open the oven and the oven would just hit the refrigerator because it butted out too far. Uh, it's fixed now. Okay, we, good. We I'm bake. Glad. It's great. I'm yeah, glad. I, I use a cast iron skillet sometimes. As you That's, should. You're from Alabama. That's uh, exactly. you can take the boy out of Alabama, but he's bringing his cast iron skillet with him. What is your desert island food? So you're trapped on a desert island. One food you're never going to get tired of your whole life. Dude, it's a guilty pleasure too. Taco Bell. Wow. Um, yeah. I, and and here, uh, here's, here's the thing. Because, like, so, again, so much of our life has been to just, like, you know, get healthy and, like, you know, get, you know, uh, find renewable, uh, renewable and, like, uh, recyclable, good, like, healthy foods that are good for the environment and us and keep things moving. But Taco Bell can just cripple me. It's crazy. I get the same thing every time. It's a cheese quesadilla, and then you add refried beans, sour cream, potatoes, and extra creamy jalapeno sauce. Mm. And they pack that so it, it, it almost feels like a calzone. It's so thick. Ooh. And, there, and, and the potato adds like so much uh, sustenance to it. Like it really like makes you full. It's awesome. 
It tastes so good. It, it's fast. Every Taco Bell can do it. You can add those ingredients to any quesadilla. It's great. Wow, a little, little Taco now, Bell hack. I'm a huge Taco Bell fan, so I'm not going to ding you on that. Okay, cool. Uh, spicy soft potato tacos are my second. Uh, like the the because they're on the menu. They're like a dollar twenty nine or something like that, and nice. they're amazing. I love it. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't normally go for the veg when I go to Taco Bell, but uh, once I once I convert to your way of life, I will I will definitely go straight to a Taco Bell. You don't get food poisoning almost ever when you're vegetarian. It's like that's that's just not something that you have to worry about. And, and it's like, unfortunately, I have had. What do you mean? You can uh, die. Taco- they always do like the uh, the fucking recalls of lettuce that like killed five people. They do. But like, I, like, y- I I have never gotten food poisoning from like a vegetarian meal. Whereas like, you don't know, you have like fish or meat or something. It's like the likelihood of that. I don't know. It's there. Yeah. Um, I've gotten sick at Taco Bell before uh, from loving their Doritos Locos tacos. Well, that's baked and in, though. That's baked into the enjoyment is that you're going to feel awful and sick for the next five days. <laughs> you baked so, that in. so I, I guess that that's part of it is that like is for, for me, part of the enjoyment was not the sickness part anymore. Mm, and I, I wanted to shy away from that a little not bit. Not me, you know? not me. I love the sickness. I like using extra plastic bags. It's, it's just, it's the way I live my I life, like, man. I like eating to the point of uncomfortability. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I actually, I do enjoy overstuffing myself, and that's probably a problem. Uh, but I, I'm, I, I feel like I figured out the timing so that I can eat something before my brain thinks that I'm full. Right. Or before my brain starts signing, sending the signal. It's like right. I can feel that moment being like, all right, got eight more bites on the plate, and I only got one more of room. But if I take all eight right now, I, I can beat myself to the punch, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, um, um, yeah that's, that's, a, that's a, fun, a fun amount of pain. Is there a food that you can't stand eating? I'm not a huge olive fan. Mm. And... and can't stand is is really strong. I try to be very open with all all my foods. I want to be uh, exploratory. I want to be adventurous. Yeah. Right. Um. I don't ne- like again Taco Bell and my one thing that I order is kind of the most myopic. I feel like I get. Uh, I really do try and like experience other foods, but uh, olives are one that like every olive I've tried has always let me down it's it's like it, it hits my jaw in a weird way it's like it, it it like you know how when your tongue kind of like makes a shape in reaction yeah to a taste yeah it does that and it and it like makes my jaw feel bad and i i can taste olives for like days it's awful it makes I don't my know. jaw it's just, feel bad oh it's uh, <laughs> yeah i don't know it, like it's unfortunate i really do wish that i could like olives um, uh, that's okay. But We're not going to dig on no. that. I also have the, um, it's, uh, cilantro. I have the soap gene for cilantro. Yeah. So that's interesting. I don't necessarily dislike it, but I do taste, uh, cilantro is very pronounced for me. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do it in everything. It has to be a very specific type of, uh, meal because it will wash out all the other flavors. Mm. I'm going to make you a cilantro olive salad and we'll see how you do. I have had, uh, I have been given pretty much cilantro-only salads before, and it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, what is uh, your favorite question of the podcast? What is your restaurant pet peeve? I don't necessarily, I, it's, so, it's so easy to be like, oh, like not getting service or, or whatnot. Uh, but I, I think that there are like certain restaurants where you can find nobody in the restaurant mm. at all. And and it's like tracking someone down. It's like, you know, that there's people around, but like nobody who you're able to talk to because like chefs are in the back and it, like not having staff. Um, yeah. And that's I, I this is kind of, uh, I guess, a newly realized issue uh, because there's labor shortages. Right. But um yeah, it's like especially traveling across the country. It's like you go to different places and just like not having anywhere to order. It's like we've been in restaurants before where we'll walk in and wait several minutes and be like, I'm in the restaurant 
no one is here yeah and we have to leave yeah uh, and that it's uh, that's it's unfortunate because yeah. i don't feel like it's necessary it's somebody's fault but Th- um, those places are usually yeah. money laundering schemes uh there's no one there it's just <laughs> there's no just, one there they're just they're just laundering money <laughs> it's like it's a front it's there it's, for, front. it's there forever but like no you never see anyone eating there there's uh, that's how i feel about some like textiles places uh <laughs> Yeah, like you don't do anything. No, there's you, no you launder money. You're laundering money. You're yeah, laundering like money. no, nobody works in textiles. That's a myth. Yeah, no. There's a there's a cobbler down the block on me. I'm like, you're not cobbling anything. <laughs> you're not cobbling. You're laundering I, I know, money. <laughs> I know one person who has a cobbler, uh, but the cobbler travels around. So cobblers, it's not it's not profitable to have your own cobbling space. Yeah, the cobbler travels around because he's a hitman. He's not really a cobbler. There's no more cobblers. <laughs> No, <laughs> no uh, need for him. Dylan, it's such a delight to see the man that you've grown into. I'm so happy to see you. You're, you've always had such a great heart, and it's, uh, it's good to see that as much of, as you've changed, that, that heart is still there. That makes me very happy. Uh, I appreciate you having me, Dan. This was awesome. It's been great to talk with you, catch up, and yeah, thank you. Uh, tell the people where they can find you, even though you're off all the socials. What if they want to find you? Off on the socials. I'm the same social media handle no matter what, at Dylan R. Snyder. Pretty straightforward. Uh, you can find me there. Also, uh, check out our production company, Watch the Footage Productions. We shot a film last year called Howdy Neighbor uh, with a bunch of former Disney actors kind of coming on board as our primary cast. It's a film about a former uh, child actor who has a stalker who moved into his building. A true story from the person who wrote it. Um, Amazing. So, yeah, so we we shot that. We're finishing that up. So check that out. That's going to be coming out soon. And it has a lot of familiar faces from from the channel. Amazing. And I just want to clarify, when I moved into that building, I did not know that he was going to be living there. Okay? (laughs) It It was an honest mistake. I do not condone this film. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, Dylan, you're the best. Thank you again. And yeah, let's go have some uh, paneer and not know what the hell it is sometime soon. Fantastic. Sounds good. Thanks, Dan.